On your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Raptors fall to the LA Clippers for their second loss at Crypto.com Arena in as many nights. But if anything from the two-game stint in LA has been revealed, it's that this Toronto Raptors team has got some good bones. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, January the 11th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work so good, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, you can come and join us in the Locked On Raptors Discord server, baby. A happy place to be over the last 10, 11 days since the trade that totally reshaped your Toronto Raptors. Even in losses, things are positive. There aren't death spirals of existential dread. It's fantastic, and you are free to join us. It is free to join. The link is in the description of the podcast. We got like 260 little sickos just like you waiting to talk ball with you. Come hang out. Would you? Of course, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcasts. Follow, subscribe to, rate, and review on your audio app of choice. We are also on YouTube. You can go subscribe there. Hit the little notification bell, and when you do that, you will get a heads up every single time the episode of the day is about to premiere, which is perfect for you everydayers out there who never miss a show, which at this point should be each and every one of you, because the Toronto Raptors are fun and cool and enjoyable. Uh, of course, today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nba use the code lowercase locked in nba and a first deposit match up to 100 will be added to your account that is pretty sweet all right let's get to it on today's show breaking down a toronto raptors 126 120 loss to the la clippers a valiant valiant effort from your undermanned Toronto Raptors who were without Pascal Siakam, who uh, had back spasms. And I know the sort of like, you know, the the Twitter trade truthers out there were like, oh, he's scratched. Oh, Jairus Walker and Jalen Smith aren't playing for the Pacers. Something must be going on. No, like Pascal fell pretty hard in that game against the Lakers back to back. Understandable that they would keep him out. And uh, hopefully he's good and ready to go for Friday's game against the Jazz, who are playing extremely good ball right now. They're going to need Pascal Siakam if they, uh, you know, really want to. I mean, they clearly can play well without him as well as they did against the Clippers, but you're going to want Pascal back. Either way, no Jakob, no Pascal in this one. And for a long time, no problem. The Toronto Raptors played themselves a pretty damn good basketball game. Paul George goes on a heater in the fourth quarter. The defense kind of loses the threat a little bit. Um, the offense can't quite keep up with what the Clippers are putting out. And, you know, that's second night of back-to-back stuff. Fifth game of six on a Western Conference road trip stuff. You know, they, I'm not terribly surprised they lost steam in this game, considering they were outgunned and considering the Clippers are kind of a buzzsaw right now and just seemingly never lose basketball games anymore. I believe they mentioned it on the Clippers broadcast side of things. that They haven't lost a game with a healthy Kawhi Leonard since November. That's normal. Great. Uh, so, you know, 
all things considered, I think a pretty admirable L for the Raptors to take in this one. We will get into the sort of stray observations I had on guys like Jonte Porter, Scotty Barnes, Dennis Schroeder, who is absolutely cooking right now. We've got the good, we got the bad, and the hmm coming up later on. Uh, but I do want to start just with sort of like a broad strokes takeaway on the team through the first six games without Pascal. Sorry, since the OG and Obi trade and their performance last night without Pascal Siakam. You know, it's just, I think the last six games and last night, no exception last night, maybe one of the greatest examples of it so far, what we've seen revealed is just a very sound offensive foundation that the Raptors have been laying the bricks for all season long. And yes, at the start of the season, they were literally laying bricks while also trying to reshape this offense. But we've seen this steady progression over the course of the year where the offense got smoother. You know, I think between like late November and the the end of December, the team had really kind of rounded into form to the point that, you know, their offense still wasn't good, but it wasn't bottom of the league miserable. And there was steady sort of week over week progression with how it was coming together. I think that's evidenced by the run that they're on right now, they've highlighted this on the broadcast last night, 21 games uh, in a row now with 25 or more assists for the Toronto Raptors. And look, assists do not equate good offensive production necessarily, but they do indicate, I think, some pretty good process, especially when you're a team who has sort of declared that your process is to make quick decisions, move the ball a ton, you know, play sort of as a five-man unit in unison with one another. And they've clearly done that and they've been living up to that promise and what's happened since the trade is the foundation has been sort of revealed to be rock solid and let me try to do a bit of a forced analogy tied to my current day-to-day life i just bought a house uh very exciting it's all fun um but so with having bought a house and with being in my 30s i now watch hgtv all the time and sometimes on these hgtv shows they go and they renovate a house that's just been bought they're going to turn it into an income property or just kind of revamp a a fixer-upper whatever it might be And a lot of the time when you go into these houses, they sort of rip off the walls and they get down to the foundation and the studs and things are wrong. There's mold, there's mouse poo, there's just like, you know, a plumbing stack that was assembled by someone who clearly does not know how to do plumbing stacks, electrical all kind of messed up. You get those sort of horror stories of like a really nasty interior, bad bones of a house. The Toronto Raptors got good bones. This is, I think, pretty clear to me. And they have been sort of fine-tuning and working that foundation over the course of this entire season. It's just the arrival of Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett have allowed this team to sort of strip back the the the, the really nasty wallpaper, strip down the drywall that's that's just sort of needs a replacing. It's got holes punched in it, and they're putting up new interior decor. They're maybe letting some really beautiful preserved beams be the highlight of a ceiling feature, whatever it might be. And they are allowed to do that because what's happening on the inside, the way this team is running offense, the way these guys are playing for one another, uh, the way the skills interplay, it does allow the sort of foundation of the team to kind of shine through. I guess the other sort of analogy you could go here is like a bear that's gone into hibernation and come out with no fat and just muscle. Um, Like they're just like a muscular base of a basketball team right now. And it looks really good because Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett have just been so bloody impressive within the construct that they've been building and working towards 
over the course of the entire season. And we're starting to see the fruits of Darko Ryakovich and the coaching staff's labor, I think, especially since the arrival of Quickly and Barrett. Though it should be said, like they were still figuring that out and getting closer to revealing that good foundation before the trade even happened. The, the offense in December was not the problem. The defense certainly was. The defense still remains a bit of a problem, which we can talk about uh, probably as we go forward here in the next week or so as we hopefully get a little bit more sort of identification of what the defense is trying to do. Can you get your guys back? You know, all this different stuff. You know, the defense will come. The offense has certainly come along. And last night, no no exception. You know, the Clippers are a good team. They're a good defense. Uh, and, you know, Vita Zubac is a monster on the interior. And the Toronto Raptors were still able to put together a really nice offensive effort in this one, just playing their game, even with lesser parts available with Pascal Siakam and Jakob Pertl not available. Um, 116.5 offensive rating for the Raptors in the half court in this one. 90th percentile among all NBA games played in the half court this year per clean the glass. It continues a run basically over the course of this entire road trip. Memphis, Sacramento, Golden State, L.A., L.A. Really good half court offensive performances from this Raptors team. And, you know, we're, we're just like we're seeing it all kind of rounded to form here. They're number four in offense since the trade. Uh, they're number five in the half court since the trade as well. Obviously we've talked about the impact of quickly his shooting, the off ball gravity. He has the way he makes defenses panic and think and overthink is opening up all kinds of different avenues, whether it's for guys leaking to the rim because quickly has taken their defenders with him, whether it's quickly popping, you know, open for threes. It's just been really, really smooth and such a seamless transition and quickly also just seems totally ready for the burden of being a lead guard. You know, obviously it's been up and down in terms of like the interior finishing. That's going to have to come along. Obviously, this is not a finished product of a player by any means, but he's getting to the rim basically whenever he wants. He is, he picked up a lot of free throws last night. That was great to see nine of nine from the line for quickly, um, you know, drawing all sorts of contact. And then, you know, he just, the reads he's making are pretty high level for a guy who was not really asked to make high level reads on the Knicks. He was basically in gunner mode a lot of the time in New York. And all of a sudden he's thrust into the starting job and it's all coming so quickly and easy, easy for him. It's awesome. You know, there was that one play last night where he kind of drives middle and throws a no look pass down to Thad Young in the block for a dunk. And it's just like, oh, all right, man. Like if you're making reads like that and you're sort of sucking into the defense and forcing the defense to overcompensate and leave options open because of what you're able to do, both as a scorer and playmaker. Like that is a really difficult combination to guard, especially when you put him in concert with a bunch of other guys whose skills complement his. We've seen RJ Barrett. I mean, what he's doing right now, he's playing. I was texting our pal Joe Wolfon last night. Go listen to Tuesday's episode where we talked all about Pascal. Um, but Joe Wolfon last night basically said like RJ Barrett is playing perfect basketball right now. And that is true. He is playing perfect basketball. He is a 71% true shooting percentage since the trade. That's like Nikola Jokic MVP level stuff and slightly better. It's kind of ridiculous how streamlined and focused and clinical RJ Barrett's game has been. Um, you know, again, it's not like he's commandeering possessions. He is doing stuff in transition. He is just roaring off of screens, cutting middle and finishing. He's using that left hand to get wherever he wants. He's finishing at the rim at a ridiculous rate right now, considering where he's finished at the rim over the course of his career. He's at 72% at the rim right now. Um, like easily his best mark. Obviously it's just six games, but 
He's figured that out, it seems. There's no, less clutter on this team, obviously, than there was on the Knicks, where they had sort of, you know, Mitchell Robinson, ground-bound center, mixed with Julius Randle, who likes to hang out in the same parts of the floor that R.J. Barrett does. Things are just smoother and cleaner and easier for him. He's been incredible. And look, the formula makes a lot of sense, right? It's a bunch of really good to excellent ball handlers. It's a bunch of guys who are all very good off-ball players. Quickly, Barrett, Barnes, Siakam, all have been fantastic off-ball players all season long. There was that graphic floating around from B-Ball Index this week that painted Barnes, Barrett, and Siakam as like three of the four best off-ball players in all of basketball in terms of their efficiency, both in transition and in the half court. I quote tweeted something about it pushing my Pascal agenda. If you want to go find it on Twitter, shout out B-Ball Index. They have great graphs. We love a graph. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a bunch of guys who can handle, can work off-ball, all have a little bit of shooting to them in general, the shooting gravity of these guys and their ability to play off the ball. It just, it's a pretty harmonious product right now. And, you know, even in a loss to the Clippers, you don't feel badly about it because the ball they're playing is really good, really promising. There's a direction and uh, an intention to it. And I think last night, you know, yes, they lost the plot late. Paul George goes off and you lose the game. But I really had no issues with the way the Toronto Raptors played this basketball game last night. We'll get into Scotty Barnes. Maybe there could have been a little bit more juice from him in this one. But overall, uh, really, really impressive stuff from the Raptors so far in the six games since the trade. And you'd hope that once they can get back some home cooking, then maybe they start to rattle off a bit more in terms of the win column, which will be important for a thing that I'm going to talk about in my hmm later on in the show. But first, we are going to take a quick break, come back to the other side, and we are going to dig into a few stray observations on Jonte Porter, Scotty Barnes, and Dennis Schroeder in particular, who I wanted to highlight from this game. We will get to all of that coming up in just one second. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the single best place to play daily fantasy sport in all of North America. And it's so, so easy. It's the way it should be. It's just you against the projections. There's no expert. There's no thousand lineups that people have put together that you're competing against. No, it's just you against the prize picks projections for given stats for players and whether they will get more or less than them. You pick more or less. If you get, you can put up to two to six players on any given entry. And if you get all six right on a six player entry, you can win up to 25 times your money. That is pretty sweet with the basketball season in full swing. You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league as well. A league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. Plus, Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you got a player who goes down in the first half, doesn't come back for the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go right now to prizepicks.com slash locked at NBA. Use the code locked at NBA for your first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA with the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to hundred bucks with prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, continuing on here, your first listen of the day. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, Locked on Sports Today 24-7 is our streaming 24-7 channel featuring all of the national shows covering the biggest stories in all of the big national sports, the pro sports leagues that you like, the college leagues and all that stuff, the college leagues. I sound like someone who knows nothing about college sports, and I don't, so that's fine. Uh, but either way, you got the local shows as well covering the biggest stories from the local angle. Uh, go check it out. Probably a great spot to be as the NFL playoffs come this weekend. Lots of great local insight on the matchups over there, among other things. Go check it out. Okay, let's continue on here and talk about it. Just a few stray observations on a handful of guys from last night's game. 
Uh, Jonte Porter is the guy I want to highlight first. Jonte Porter is playing like your favorite old man local at your nearby pickup run. He just like he's just a blast to watch when he's doing what he did last night against the Clippers, right? He just he clearly passes the nose where to stand test, which is one of the most important tests any basketball player can can pass. Um, you know, he just plays and does the nasty little nitty gritty stuff that really really helps a basketball team play functional basketball. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> like yeah, he's just. My favorite guys at pickup are the ones who are there to just kind of make everyone's experience more enriched. They're there to pass. They're there to set screens. They're there to talk on defense. They're not there to be like overly, uh, you know, bloviating or anything like that. They're just there to play ball. And Jonte Porter is playing like that kind of dude right now. 9.7 boards, four assists last night for him last night. Um, you know, the, the connective passing that is really like stringing possessions along. Honestly, at this point, would not mind as much as I've enjoyed the Thad Young starting experience over the last two nights to some degree. I wouldn't mind just giving Porter the run to start right now. Um, I think he probably gives you a decent shot right now with his passing of replicating some of the Yaka Pirtle packages that they can run. Um, you know, they, they miss Yak big time. His passing, his screening is valuable, but Porter is kind of showing a capacity for doing that stuff. And I thought it was really telling last night the sideline report that Kayla Gray had on Jonte Porter, talking about him feeling empowered by Dark Ariakovich and his coaching staff. And like this is it's not just like a, a preseason media day thing that we get all happy and flowery about. This seems to be a very legitimate thing. Dark Ariakovich believes the hell out of his dudes and what they're capable of doing, right? Like he really, really believes that these guys can do what he's asking of them. And uh, Porter, you know, in that sideline report is, I guess, paraphrasing, said basically, yeah, like he's making me feel like I can go and do this every single day and is empowering me to do so. And that's just like a really, really nice heartening thing for a team that has obviously been kind of mired in the player development muck and haven't been able to kind of find these success stories of late. Um, you know, we, we don't need to relitigate the, the Nick Nurse not playing young guys thing or anything like that. But uh, Darko and his coaching staff seem to just fully give these guys the runway to go and grab whatever job might be there that's up for grabs, whatever role might be there up for grabs. And Jonte Porter is absolutely doing that right now. Um, he's just been emboldened. And I think uh, I, like at this point, he's trending towards probably getting a contract from the Raptors, right? Like it's been just a handful of games. We'll see, but he has really fit in beautifully as a backup five. Hopefully, um, he gets a little bit of run here getting with the starters and we'll see if that carries over. Obviously, it's tough to scale up and go up against starting level bigs and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, really, really enjoying the Jonte Porter experience and a really wonderful story for a guy who was almost out of basketball a couple seasons ago and has worked his way back up. You know, he's clearly not the same athlete that he was as like a draft prospect. He, you know, still a little bit groundbound. He doesn't have great lateral foot speed. But again, he knows angles. He knows how to you know position himself effectively and knows where to stand and that is a beautiful thing so that was kind of my like big pull away as far as a single player observation last night nine seven and four from jonte porter doing the exact stuff that i a guy who loves big men who throw cool passes uh is very much keen on scotty barnes let's take a quick little detour talking about scotty look kind of a quiet game from him in this one uh, you know, just 12 points, seven boards, six assists, which you like for sure. Had a couple blocks as well. Five of 10, just one of five from deep. You'll have those bad nights from deep. He has been 
obviously tremendous as an outside shooter so far this year. He's had these one of five nights, and they usually are buttressed by a couple of seven for three nights or three for seven nights and stuff like that. So not too concerned there, but just 10 shot attempts in a game for Scotty Barnes where there was clearly like a usage vacuum to fill with Pascal Siakam not available. Of course, R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly did a good job of filling in that vacuum. Uh, Dennis Schroeder gets going. This was not a very high-possession game either, so like not a ton of uh, you know utility or, or usage to go around, I suppose. Um, and, and obviously, this was not a transition game for the Raptors either. And I think that's always going to kind of suppress Scotty Barnes' number because Scotty Barnes is a transition wizard. He is an absolute master of orchestrating the break, and the Clippers did a fantastic job of limiting the Raptors from getting out on the break in this one, the Toronto Raptors scored just one point per possession uh, in transition in this game, which is well below where they typically hang. And they usually are extremely high when it comes to frequency. They did not get on the run very much at all in this game, which is weird. And I think again, kind of speaks to some good coaching on the side of Tyron Lou and just speaks to, it's just difficult when you're up against a Clippers team that's hitting everything. Uh, like It's just going to be hard to get it on the run and get those advantages going the other way. Um, you know, they ran 16.8% of the time in this game, still above average in the NBA circles, 66 percentile per cleaning the glass. But, um, you know, they had like a negative impact on their scoring output in transition in this game with that one point per possession uh, minus minus 0.2 points added in transition in this game. Not great. Um, but, I do think, uh, you know, that's like sort of a one-off thing. I'm not overly concerned about Scotty Barnes or anything like that. Yes, his usage has been down a little bit since the trade. I'm not concerned. He's still actively involved in so many of these possessions. If he's not shooting, he's often creating. And, you know, you, you would have liked a bit more of a sort of, um, you know, you'd like to have sort of imprinted himself on the game a little bit more in a game like last night, but also second out of a back-to-back. He played like 40 minutes against the Lakers on, on Wednesday. I understand if he doesn't quite have the juice to go and do that. Um, you know, maybe that's giving an excuse. Maybe that's just like a pretty reasonable explanation. I don't know. It's probably either the holder, but um, yeah, the, the lack of aggression from Scotty and the lack of any sort of transition um, output from the Raptors in this game, I think really was, uh, you know, a big reason why they couldn't quite get over the finish line and keep up with the Lakers or the Clippers. That is um, when it all came down to it. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, I want to talk about quickly as well. Started last night. The on-ball defense is back for Dennis Schroeder. He looks like a total pest. It's fantastic. And the bench orchestration has also been sublime from Dennis Schroeder. He's like perfectly cast right now as like a highly counted upon second unit captain. And he's getting to play with more shooters, which is a really nice thing. Um, obviously, I, I kind of said this going into the season. and I've been kind of referencing it throughout the year. Dennis Schroeder's best seasons of late have come when he's playing on teams with tons of extra ball handling and tons of shooting. The Lakers last season, his best lineups were alongside like LeBron James, Thomas Bryant, D'Angelo Russell, Troy Brown, guys who can shoot, guys who can handle and take a little bit of the burden and clear up driving lanes for Schroeder, which is really his whole thing, right? Is getting downhill and sort of sucking in the defense. Um, 22 points for him in this game, just four assists, but they kind of needed his scoring, obviously, without Pascal. I think he did a really good job, maybe more than anybody else, kind of ratcheting up his imprint on the offense in this one. And one thing that's really popping off the screen, those Dennis Schroeder, Emmanuel quickly lineups are kicking ass. They are super fun right now. 
170 possessions together per clean the glass, a plus 20 net rating for lineups with quickly and Schroeder on the floor together, and 136.5 offensive rating. They are just blitzing teams when those two dudes share the floor together. It makes sense. Like I said, you know, Schroeder playing with other ball handlers and other shooters is a really, really good thing for Dennis Schroeder and his on on court impact. Those guys also together, those lineups quickly, Schroeder lineups, uh, a turnover percentage under 12%, which is very, very good. Um, so yeah, Dennis Schroeder, I figured deserves some flowers. This was a nice game from him and, uh, continues just a really nice run of him perfectly being cast. You get an extra rotation player in the door. You knock Schroeder down from being the fifth most important player to the sixth most important player. And that difference is pretty substantial. And then on a game where you need a little bit more from him, he's obviously got a little bit of juice that he can kind of tap into. And, uh, it was nice to see in this one for Sure, uh, you know, it's wild what a couple weeks does. Dennis Schroeder was driving me insane as a miscast starting point guard, and now he's basically uh, everyone's dream backup point guard, mine included, and it's awesome. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to get into the good, the bad, and the hmm from this game, and I want to spend a little extra time on the hmm because I think something is pretty fun that's brewing. Uh, or something, something pretty fun is brewing in the Eastern Conference right now that I think Raptors fans should just throw themselves into and have some fun with. We will get into that and why that is coming up in just one sec. But first, today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. And look, you maybe you just finished off some traveling. Maybe you are looking to get those off-season travel deals coming up. But one thing that is always a uh, you know, thing to keep in mind is when you travel, you could get sick. And you don't want to get sick when you're traveling. You especially don't want to get sick when you're traveling and be unprepared to deal with being sick. And that is a pretty helpless feeling. That is why you should go and order yourself a Jace case from Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff can happen to anybody while you're traveling. Maybe you're on a work trip. You don't have access to your regular doctor. Having this in your bag, it's just an emergency thing. You may never use it. You probably don't ever want to use it, but if it does come around that you need some medical attention, you need to address something that you've come down with while you're abroad, you can go and tap into your Jace case. The Jace case has directions on how to use all this stuff, and also you have access to their doctors on staff to help you gui help guide you through any sort of questions you might have about how to uh, implement these medications in the event you fall sick. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Rounding out the show here, the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we round out every single episode of this here podcast on the heels of a Toronto Raptors basketball game. A thing I liked, a thing I didn't like, and a thing that's got me a little bit intrigued. Like I said, I want to spend most of the time on my hmm this, this time around. So we'll quickly rattle through the good and the bad. The good for me... Give it up for the old men. Uh, Garrett Temple, Thad Young, playing minutes in this game. Thad Young, of course, his second straight night. Uh, he played 29 minutes on Wednesday against the Lakers, 23 minutes against the Clippers. Um, a lot of minutes for a guy who's not been playing a lot of minutes of late, but he has performed pretty darn admirably in that time. In this game, eight points, four boards, three assists, two steals. Yeah, you know, Evita Zubats is like a, a pretty big load for anyone to deal with, but I thought there was not really any example of him being totally overcome. Obviously, the Anthony Davis matchup, much more difficult in that regard for Young 
um, you know, continues to grease the wheels of the offense, continues to have sort of baffling forays into lefty finishes that always seem to go down four or five shooting in this game, hit a mid range jumper. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll take this that young sort of turning back of the clock to being this small ball center that he was so, so good at during his time, specifically with the Bulls of late. Um, you know, it, it's it's been really fun to see. And I think he's made, you know, talking about earlier, the sort of ecosystem of the team being a lot healthier. I think having more shooting around is clearly making life a little bit easier for Thad Young because playing in some of the lineups he was playing in earlier on this season, last season as well, just really clumped up stuff, not able to really affect the game as like an elbow hub or anything like that because there was no space. No one cared and no one cares about Thad Young as a player. So he's got to have spacing elsewhere for them to, there to be any sort of advantage to press. And we're seeing that a little bit more here. So shout out Thad Young. I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm having fun with it. As I had fun with Garrett Temple getting eight minutes of pretty solid action last night. Hits a three, two boards, uh, an assist as well to go along with three points. And a team best plus four for Garrett Temple, the coach, put on the floor, performing reasonably well. I was pretty surprised to see him, but I guess when you're down to like 10 healthy players, there's room for everybody to go and chip in. And uh, it was pretty fun to see Garrett Temple get back in there and uh, have himself, for his standards, a really nice night. Three points, two boards and an assist in eight minutes, not getting run off the floor. You're very happy with that, no doubt. The bad for me in this game, this was a really tough one for Chris Boucher. Two straight really tough ones for Chris Boucher now. Uh, just looks out of sorts. Looks like he's a little bit forcing things. There was a, a couple times the last couple of games where he's just passed up wide open threes to try to dribble into traffic and make something happen. And it's just like not Chris Boucher's bag. Chris Boucher is a guy who will can catch and shoot threes once in a while. He's actually done it at a pretty good rate this year. And he's someone who's going to finish plays into the basket and crash the offensive glass for you. Didn't really do any of those things during the two night stay in L.A., and look, man, this is like an opportunity for Boucher to seize a rotation spot. Precious Chu is gone. Um, there's less competition. There is need for large people on this team to go and do large people things. And the last couple games, it's been pretty rough stuff. Minus 10 for Boucher in his 11 minutes in this game. Did not love the Boucher experience. And it's a bummer because he was so bloody good against the Warriors on Sunday. And it's just kind of not really held up the last couple times out. We'll see if he remains in the rotation once they get healthy here. Maybe there's more Jonte Porter cutting into his minutes. We'll see, but definitely not a banner night for Chris Boucher. Let's get to my, hmm, the thing I'm really excited to talk about today, because it's just like, sometimes we have too much focus on, oh, who's going to win the championship, the championship, oh, who are the top teams in the conference and all this stuff. And sometimes it's okay to revel in a little low stakes playoff race action. And I think right now, there is a burgeoning four-team race for the last two play-in spots in the Eastern Conference between the Raptors, the Hawks, the Bulls, and the Nets that has potential for high comedy. Uh, teams getting a little bit silly and doing stuff at the deadline they maybe probably shouldn't do in the name of chasing the 10 seed. Uh, and it, like just kind of comical basketball at times. Well, also, there could be some good basketball as well as a couple of these teams are rounding into form a little bit. And you have interesting players and characters at play across these four teams. You know, you have 
you know, with the with the Hawks watching them last night take down the Sixers in overtime, Jalen Johnson looks like fully ready for a star turn. Is he maybe the best player on the Hawks already? Is that a hot take? Uh, yes, I'm a staunch Trey Young non-believer, but uh, Jalen Johnson looks awesome. He's a fun little character to watch here. Obviously, you have the Scotty IQ Barrett of it all on the Raptors side of things. You've got DeMar DeRozan fending off the youths with the Bulls. And then also the Nets are kind of there as well. Uh, you know, nothing notable on that team to really get excited about. But I do think this has the potential to be some pretty awesome fun, low stakes fun for the rest of the season. And for the Raptors in particular, like this is a team that is clearly in a better spot than it was before the trade. It's not this constant cycle of dread and concern and, you know, like trying to figure out what the hell is the direction of this team. Like they clearly have a direction now. Things are building. Whether or not they keep Pascal Siakam or not, I think you feel pretty good about where this whole thing is headed with Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett in the door and having those guys play as bloody well as they have so far. And so it, it's just not every season is going to be about the title chase. Some seasons are going to be about silly low stakes eighth place races. And I think that's cool. And I think the NBA has actually done a pretty damn good job here with the play-in tournament of creating these sort of tiers within the, the the league, these races for different things and sort of different planes of achievement in the league. Obviously you have like the top three teams in the Eastern conference. And then from there you have like four through eight, all fighting with one another. And then you have this four team race for the last two play in spots. And it feels like it could be some pretty compelling stuff down the stretch. And it does feel, I've been thinking about this a little bit. It feels like the NBA has created Almost the closest thing we'll ever see to relegation in American professional sports, which is losing the play-in game and getting the 14th or 13th overall pick. Like you're never going to get full relegation, but that is kind of as big of a like a, a kick to the midsection as you'll get is losing a play-in game and picking 13th or 14th. Case in point, the Toronto Raptors last season who fired their coach and had a full meltdown in the summer after losing in the play-in and getting the 13th overall pick. And that to me just creates this like very silly amount of stakes. The Raptors obviously don't have their picks, so it's like a little bit less stakes all of a sudden for them. Um, and so it, that adds, I think, to the potential fun quotient that could be had here. But I'm like fully throwing myself into let's get silly with this four team race for the last spot. It feels like, like I said, it. It, it's as close to relegation as you get. I feel like every night I'm watching the blokes from Brighton and Hove Albion take on the lads from Aston Villa and Brentford fighting them off for the 17th spot in the Premiership. That's what it feels like. And there's like a real charm to that as a sports fan. I'm fully in on this very stupid race, especially with the knowledge that the Raptors, maybe of all these teams, have sort of the brightest outlook going forward. So whatever actually happens this year, maybe they do miss out. Maybe they do lose the plane or finish 11th or whatever it might be. Like, that's fine, ultimately, right? Like, there's there's good stuff happening here. They have the 31st pick in the draft this season. That, you know, soothes a little bit uh, of the sting of not having your own pick, if, you know, assuming they convey it. Maybe they get lotto luck if they don't make the playoffs. We'll see, but... I think, uh, in general, this four-team race for a couple of sad play-in spots that probably won't amount to much. At most, these teams are getting waxed by the Sixers or the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs, or the Celtics, I suppose. Even though that, like, even with that, this is like, this is a type of thing that if there's a fun race down the stretch, you will remember that as a fan forever. 
everyone who was around for it remembers the Raptors in the 0102 season after Vince Carter went down, going on that crazy heater to get into the playoffs at the end of the year. And yeah, it, it didn't end with anything. They lost in the first round, but that was like a really fun stretch of basketball. And what are we doing this for if not looking to hang on to fun little stretches of basketball for many, many years to keep us warm when things are dark and sad down the line? So give me all of the very dumb Nets, Bulls, Raptors, Hawks, four-team race for the eighth, for the ninth and tenth spots. Uh, all in on it. Give me all of the podcasts breaking it down in earnest. It's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, that's my hmm, is just throw yourself into this experience. This playoff race is going to be extremely high comedy, very stupid, and surely extremely memorable. If the Raptors even have like a modicum of success from it, win a play-in game, even if it's just one play-in game and you lose the next, I think it will all be worth it. And we will have some pretty fun stuff to go and remember down the line. And remembering some guys, remembering some times is what this whole thing is about. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on uh, Thursday, Friday, right? Yeah. There's, what day is it? Yeah. We'll be back Friday as we're going to have a really fun episode with Kirtika, the queen of Raptors stats on Twitter, joining the show to talk some small sample theater from the first six games post-trade. What's real? What's not? Is RJ Barrett ever going to miss a shot again? That's all going to come up on Friday's episode. So you have that to look forward to. Thank you so much for tuning in, supporting the show. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend. Always appreciated when you go ahead and do that. And we will leave it all there. Thank you so, so much. We'll talk to you Friday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Extend Pascal Siakam now. Bye-bye. 